This episode contains excessive vomiting. Listener discretion advised. Welcome to Wingtorn. This is a story of a young man with an oath to avenge his parents, a young woman hiding secrets in her blood, and the intertwining fates of three on a mission to prevent all-out war between humans and the Fae. Because what fell before will rise again. This is a fantasy serial podcast, written and performed by Claire C. Marshall. Book 3, Arrest. Connor bolted upright, anchored by Olivan from across the table. Riona had hurried up the stairs so gracefully, so normally, excusing herself as an embarrassing cough had overtaken her. Connor's ears burned red. What if Riona wasn't going to be all right? She drained that soup bowl with such enthusiasm. No wonder the Fae couldn't take Drohoven. Uh, her, her constitution isn't like ours. She's being overly cautious. Being in the rain probably didn't do her much good. Connor clenched his stomach as the excuses spewed out of him. Telling lies created a swell of nausea within him, a side effect of his incredible but limited truth-sensing power. We have had several cases of seasonal flu— not here in our establishment, but around Drohoven, Tenley replied, trying to sound empathetic. I hope I didn't offend her. I, I didn't mean to ask about the whole fey blood in the islanders thing. She still managed to phrase the sentence like a question. Oh, that's not true, Connor assured her, pointedly now that Riona was gone. Common misconception, just... Because the islanders are so, uh... Handsome, Olivan supplied, as if this were inarguably true. Speaking about the islanders made Connor think of his father, and he couldn't bear the pain. He wrenched himself from Olivan and scrambled out of the booth, trying not to disturb the remaining soup bowls. I know the Fae can be a touchy subject for outsiders, but we're doing our part to be vigilant. Did you hear about the Fae and the Fae sympathizers who burnt a couple to a crisp in Ashdown? Tenley steadied him as Connor stood to his full height. Soon we'll have the Fae dropping their magic all over us, and you'll have to prove your allegiance to the king and continent. Olivan smiled and gave a nervous laugh and nodded over-emphatically as he not-so-subtly took Riona's unfinished soup and began devouring it. Not a problem for me. I'll do it in a heartbeat. Of course, Tenley said encouragingly. She shook her head. Ashdown, why those people keep trying to settle on land destroyed by magic is beyond me. We have more than enough here in Drohoven for them— 
But no, and now that that printing house is gone, how am I supposed to get my signs and posters done? I'll have to import my papers from somewhere else, too. Such a waste. Connor could no longer hold himself in one piece and exist in this dining room. It was all he could do to spin around and head for the... His nose squished against a tightly woven jacket of a towering stranger who smelled like heavy, perfumey wood smoke. Recoiling, Connor muttered his apologies profusely as he regained his balance and fixed his attention on the stairs. Uh, sorry, I didn't see you. Not a problem, said the gentleman stranger. On your way. The islander accent, although eroded by the years, paused Connor's anxious step. He gazed up at the stranger, searching for his father in the long-nosed, lined face. Ignoring Connor, the man gracefully attracted Tenley's attention and placed a meal order, intermittently coughed into a white handkerchief he produced from his expensive jacket, and settled into a corner booth by the door. Water dripped from his umbrella, or was it a cane? as he leaned it against his bench seat. Despite the rain and the muddy exterior, the only noticeable grime were his boot prints on the floor. Transfixed, Connor watched as the man produced a shining kit from his inner jacket pocket. His father would never do that, Connor thought wistfully. This stranger had clothing bought with money Connor could only dream of. Had his father's family been that wealthy? And what had happened? Then he remembered. Riona. He bounded up the stairs two at a time, allowing the half-fay to salve his grief-stricken thoughts. Their room was at the end of the hallway on the inside corner. The door shut. He twisted the knob, unlocked, and closed the door behind him. A trail of vomit lay between the door and the Chesterfield against the wall beside the large bed and nightstand. She had collapsed on the bed, her head resting on the quilt haphazardly as she drew long, tortured breaths. Lazily, she opened an unfocused eye at Connor, and then closed it again. Poison, he thought desperately, and fumbled with reassuring niceties as he helped her lay flat on the quilt. Drool slowly dripped down her chin. Her thin, long, dark hair was matted with sweat. Even her skin, a pale lavender, had darkened around her mouth and eyes. She might die here, and it would be his fault. He had known about violent hospitality, but he hadn't known it was still practiced. He should have known. Surely someone would have mentioned it. Riona made a noise, and her arm flopped towards him. He hurried to roll her onto her side as she vomited up more soup, green and stinking sickly sweet. His mind raced. If he took her to a healer, they would ask too many questions. If they were separated, her secret would be uncovered. They couldn't stay in Drohoven a second longer. The woods, dangerous, but safer than the city. Hold on, he said, and prayed she remained on her side as he returned to the hallway to do some reconnaissance. The corridor wrapped around eight bedrooms on this floor. 
unseen stairs on the other side of the story went to the third floor, and apparently beyond there was a loft. He listened. He could no longer hear Olivan, though he could hear Tenley telling a long-winded story, so perhaps his friend was listening for once. If he could even think of Olivan as his friend. He'd had Erjid this whole time, and he didn't tell them? Beside the stairs leading up from the main floor was a door to the balcony, and from there was another set of steep stairs heading down into a courtyard, a small garden, the stables, and the literal coach house where carriages were rented, stored, and maintained. Beyond that, the streets of Drohoven, the marsh, more trees, and the capital. Activity on the stairs drew Connor back into the room. The older gentleman he'd bumped into emerged and shuffled his way to his room, located by the balcony door. Connor leaned further from the threshold of the doorway to get a better look at him when the man caught him staring. The older gentleman narrowed his gaze as if trying to place Connor. A coughing fit overtook him and he pushed into the room. The sound carried dully through the hallway until Connor shut the door. Mm. Riona asked dimly, stirring. I'm here, he said, overly conscious of his body as he maneuvered the room to kneel at the bedside. Here's the plan. I'm getting you out of here, now. Uh, it's our one chance. Riona peeled her eyelids open and gazed up at him, eyes unfocused. Braid. Olivan? He did his best to help her sit up. She wasn't heavy, though she had little control over her limbs. Her head flopped forward as he hoisted her to her feet. We can come back for him, Connor replied stiffly. If Olivan wanted to enjoy this luxurious inn and its poisonous food, he was welcome to it. Connor had to get to the tower, and Riona to her contact in the capital. You can return, she said huffily. I won't. Hi, I'm Claire C. Marshall. I'm the author and performer of Wingtorn. I hope you're enjoying the story so far. I wanted to interrupt myself to talk about a consistent struggle I've had related to my publishing career, and that's marketing my books. If you're an author like me, you know that writing and publishing is just the beginning. You put a story out there, and then what? Well, you have to make people aware of your books. And gaining the interest and trust of a stranger, it's hard work and it doesn't happen by accident or by chance. It's also tough to know exactly what you're supposed to be focusing on, especially when you're still learning everything about book publishing. So with that in mind, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming free marketing training I'm making for authors. This training is not a listicle about the best strategies to market and sell your books, this training teaches a foundational, authentic approach to beginning, or if you've been at this a while, rethinking your book marketing efforts. 
you will learn how to get excited about marketing your books, what to do when fear gets in the way, and how you can be less intimidated by the idea of creating your very own marketing plan. Yikes! This all comes from insights I've had from the last 10 years of writing, publishing, and selling thousands of books to people who have never heard of me before. So if you're an author struggling with marketing your titles, go to cmarshallpublishing.com forward slash training and sign up to be notified when this free training is live. Yep, that's right. It's free and it's offered by yours truly. That's cmarshallpublishing.com forward slash training. C, like the letter C, Marshall with two L's and publishing.com forward slash training. cmarshallpublishing.com forward slash training. And now, Wingtorn continues. Each step was a battle hard won as they hustled for the door. Her nails dug into the front of her dress, as if she were keeping her innards in place as they waged war inside her. Connor threw open the door, ensured their way was clear of strangers, and half-carried, half-dragged her down the narrow hallway to the balcony door. Nearly there he whispered as they passed the stairs down and the door to the gentleman's room. More hawking and groaning from within. He was not well. Outside, the narrow balcony stretched the length of the building and gave way to the steep stairs down to the modest but well-kept courtyard. The rain dripped from the roof onto cobblestones and rocky raised garden beds, dotted with peonies and tiny yellow flowers. A pruned tree shaded the center of the courtyard. Because of the rain, tables and chairs had been moved beneath the tree, though no one enjoyed them at this hour. No parked carriages in sight. Not that the courtyard was large enough for more than two to be parked at a time, nor was there any in-staff. Everyone was either at supper or inside the attached stable. Connor could smell the horses. He cautiously tried the first narrow step, bracing Riona's frail, near-unconscious form between his hip and the wobbling safety railing. They'd made it this far. Her breathing was short and raspy as she clutched the railing, uncertain about its stability and the angle of the stairs. Beneath her cloak, her wings rustled and then stilled. A boy half Connor's age emerged from the stable and stopped short at the sight of them on the stairs. Connor, with his free hand, flagged the boy. He wasn't going to give up. Hey, you, yes, I want to rent a carriage or a horse, something. The stable hand took in Riona's semi-conscious condition and Connor's desperate face and then ran towards a door beneath the stairs likely into the inn's kitchen, where he could smell dinner and hear Selin Tenley communicating briskly with her staff. Wait, come back! 
Connor yelled, his command lost to the rain and the din. Gritting his teeth, he repositioned Riona against him. Another step. Let's go. She leaned on the railing. Urgently and without warning, she vomited over the white stairs. She nearly toppled over into her own sick, and Connor slipped on it himself, trying to catch her. They fell into a crumpled heap on the stairs. It was a long way down to the courtyard, and out of Drohoven into the forest. Assuming he couldn't manage to rent a carriage or buy a single horse, he couldn't carry her that far, not in the state she was in, without looking like he was kidnapping her. Rain thinned out the vomit and washed it clean from the stairs, draining it to the cobblestones below. We have to go back, Connor said, defeated. Riona's fingers curled on the railing. She shook her head violently. Paler than ever, her violet eyes were fixed on the bottom of the stairs. She attempted to pull herself up and settled back down on the stair, clutching her belly and moaning softly from effort. It's all right, he told her. You have to rest. No, we have to keep... She trailed off as someone in the courtyard, from the looks of her, someone who worked in the kitchen, took note of Connor and Riona. The inn staff member, sheltering her face from the rain, scurried nimbly up the stairs to meet them. Miss, miss, are you all right? Do you need help? Staring up at the newcomer, Riona's gaze became unfocused as she collapsed onto Connor. He held her, trying to keep them both from sliding further down the stairs. Let me help you. The kitchen hand deftly took Riona's weight, and together they made it out of the rain, back to the roofed balcony. You are guests here, I assume? Which room? Should I ask Madame Tenley to call the apothecary? Uh, no, it's nothing, Connor said, hand-waving. Unconvinced, the worker gestured for Connor to open the door. She's on well. Flu season is here, but if it's something more contagious... Pregnancy. Connor spat the word. He hadn't meant to. It was just there, suddenly, in his mind, and then out of his mouth, into the world. No taking it back now. She, she's fine. Just, just pregnancy. Oh. The kitchen hand seemed pleased and somewhat relieved that no further action would be necessary. But then, we have to get her out of this weather and into bed. Has this happened often? Uh... The books in the library had not prepared him for follow-up questions on this topic. No? Help me. The two of them managed to bring Riona out of the damp air back into the warm inn and their expensive room now soaked with sick. As the kitchen worker alternatively gave advice and probed for information, a sense of finality settled heavily on Connor. When the worker took her leave, perhaps to spread the news about Riona's condition, 
The numbness lurking beneath the surface dragged him to the floor beside the bed where Riona had descended into fitful slumber. If he wanted, he could leave her here, return to Ashdown, and accept the punishment for their crimes, bury his parents, and rebuild the library, the only home he'd ever known. Or change his name and venture to the tower, trade what he had to afford the entrance exam, and begin a new life. And yet, he could not leave the room, knowing it meant leaving her to this fate, knowing it was he who had brought her here. He couldn't leave, not without leaving her. listening to Wingtorn. This episode was written, performed, and produced by the author, Claire C. Marshall. The Wingtorn theme music was composed by Cloud Road Music, and additional music is by Irene Chan. For sponsorship or advertising inquiries, or to learn more about my books, please visit wingtorn.com. <laughs>